absolutely love March Madness. I do, I can't help it, I love March Madness. And I was so excited to fill out my brackets this year because it felt so normal. My brackets were totally busted, by the way, but I don't care. I was so happy to fill them out. And I'm gonna tell you my top four, my final four. And when I do, you will know very quickly, I pick my teams based on emotion and loyalty. I do not pick teams based on rankings, statistics, and even the current season. Those are silly things to pay attention to. It's all about emotions and loyalty. My final four, I got Gonzaga. Still pretty good with that. That's been fun. Thank you, yes. I have Georgia Tech. Woo! I have Purdue. (laughs) And I have LSU. Yeah, actually I have LSU winning the whole thing. Yeah, no more claps on that. Actually, I pick LSU to win every year no matter what because you never know when an upset is coming. You never know, anything can happen. An upset happens all the time. If you are a basketball fan, you might remember a team that had what's called the Fab Five in 1991. In 1991, the University of Michigan had the five Fab Five, which were five starter freshmen for their basketball team. One of the Fab Five, his name is Chris Weber. Chris Weber could do no wrong. They loved him. Everywhere he went, he got accolades and celebrations. They loved Chris Weber until one day. University of Michigan was in the championship game with University of North Carolina. There were only seconds left. It was a tied game. And Michigan had a chance in those last seconds, Chris Weber's team in those last seconds, to get the ball and have one more shot to win the game. But instead of taking a shot, Chris Weber took a timeout. There were no more timeouts to be had in that game. So some of you might know that's a technical foul. So what happened? North Carolina took that free throw and they became the national championship in 1993. And in one moment, oh yeah, okay, all right. You liked that game. Chris Weber did not like that game because in one moment, a beloved champion who had gone into that court receiving praise and accolation left that same court as a hated player. One of his teammates actually said, Chris was a great guy, great guy off the court, Great guy on the court. He made one mistake in front of 35 million people, and it changed his life forever. Because what happened after that? He began to be fined for accepting money from boosters. He was convicted of perjury, and he was completely stripped of all the awards and accolades that he had won. And for 20 years, he was banished from the University of Michigan. University of Michigan would not even 
pay attention to him or accept that they were even a part of his life for 20 years because of the one mistake. Chris Webber went on to become, he played for the NBA and he even became a sports newscaster, but it didn't matter because they remembered him for the one night. In one moment, everything can change. It's an upset. And today, today we're standing in an upset. Today we're standing in our game that changes everything because in our biblical lives, in our scriptural story, in our faith journey, we are standing in a really weird moment. Because on the same day we celebrate Palm Sunday, we also have to celebrate the Passion Sunday. And so for Palm Sunday, we have this beloved champion who comes into the city with accolades and celebrations and palms, only for moments later, for an instant later, to receive the passion story, which those same voices and people strip our champion of all the awards, all the accolades, and it changes into booze and chants and anger. It changes everything. So, we'll start today with our Palm Sunday reading. And our Palm Sunday reading today comes from the Gospel of Mark. There's a Palm Sunday reading in all the Gospels, so if you don't like this one, you can go and read the other ones and find the one you like. But today, we are going to read the one from Mark. It's going to be on our screens. If you happen to be one of the lucky Chapel Roswell attendees that got a cute little white bag and in it was a prize of a palm, I want you, this scripture reading, you can wave that palm all you like. And I want you to wave it, especially when they say Hosanna. So if you have a treat bag with the palm, please wave it. The story of the palms. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethpage and Bethany, Near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Just say this, The Lord needs it. And we'll send it back here immediately. So they went away and they found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. And as they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said and so they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it. And he sat on it. And many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed, they were all shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of your ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven! And then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Now, hopefully, you recognize the city of Bethany in our story. Who lives in Bethany? 
Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. Exactly. If you didn't remember that, if you weren't able to be here last week, or if you haven't quite listened to that podcast on demand, you can go back last week and learn more about what happened in the village of Bethany. But for today, we have our beautiful palms. And what I love about this story is the cult part of the story. I think it's hysterical. There is a cult and Jesus says, go find it and untie it. And when somebody says, what are you doing? Say, oh, don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. <laughs> no, for real, we'll bring it back. Jesus said, it's okay. I can take it. I love that. That's funny. There are parts in scripture that are funny. And this is one of them. It's cute. The cult is important of our story. Jesus choosing to ride in on a cult is important because that's what princes chose to ride in on. A prince would ride in on a cult as a sign of peace when they went into a dangerous territory. And so, of course, we have Jesus wanting a sign of royalty, a sign of peace as he comes into this city. Because Jerusalem is known as a city of danger. It's a city of conflict. And for Jesus, there are a lot of people mad at him in it. Religious authorities. So Jesus needs to be on a sign of peace. And as Jesus is coming in and people are waving these palms, they're screaming the words, Hosanna, Hosanna. And that actually means save us. So this crowd of people, they're all gathered around screaming to this beloved champion, this beloved teacher, this beloved friend, save us. And they're waving their palm branches to do it. The palm branches, they're fun. Children love to wave them. They also have a very significant purpose in our story because it's a reminder of what is happening in our Jewish festivals. It's the Jewish festival of the tabernacles. It's always to remember the feast and festivals of our Jewish friends. That's our culture. It's part of our heritage. It's our history. Just last night, our Jewish friends, they had their Seder meal. They celebrated Passover. This is a big part of our biblical heritage. It's good to check in with our Jewish friends. And that's how we know the palms are important because of the festival of the tabernacles. Leviticus tells us this. Leviticus 23, verse 40. On the first day of the feast... You take the branches of palm trees and you rejoice before your God for seven days. And so here we have a story of our champion of peace that we are supposed to honor with palm branches for seven days. And this is where our story and our game changes. For the next seven days, we celebrate what's called Holy Week. And for us, what we really are celebrating are mistakes. We're celebrating 
an arrest, a betrayal, and a death. Here we are in our Palm Sunday message, only for us to enter into a game-changer week called Holy Week. It's a record scratch. Do you know what a record scratch is? I'm pretty excited because records are coming back. You can see behind me, we got some records. This is actually my family's record player. Last year, records are coming back so much, we actually got a record player. I love it. It's even kind of, it feels vintage, but it's really not because it's Bluetooth. <laughs> so it's like vintage with a twist. I love it. We've been able to get our old records out and show the kids. My mom brings her records out and she shows everybody. There's even a, a record of me from college on it with my choir. Like, it's a lot of fun. We have a couple here, Karen and Robert are their names. And actually, they're probably down the hill and traditional because Karen sings in our choir. She has an extensive record collection, thousands and thousands of records. Uh, they actually sell them, and she gave me a few. Robert just brought a sample of their records up so that we could see what they have. You see this one? Simon and Garfunkel. I have no idea what's in this pack, by the way. I'm just kind of looking at it. So there's Simon and Garfunkel record. Oh, the Doobie Brothers. Remember those guys? So fun. Barbara Streisand. Look at that young Barbara. Uh, let's see. We got George Jones, Lou Tank Williams. So much fun. Oh, Winnie the Pooh. Look at Winnie the Pooh. And look at this one. We got some Elton John. That is some vintage Elton John right there. And the Elvis medley. I love to look at records, especially old records, because they remind me of things. They remind me of people. They remind me of where I was. Even if I didn't hear these songs on these records, they remind me of songs I do love when I did hear records or whatever song I was singing. I like the pictures, even on records. I like to hold a record because you know what it really reminds me of too? It reminds me of my grandmother's old record player. My grandmother used to have this really big console record player. And it was so cool because the speakers were in front. And when she had company over, she would play a record and put the top down, and it became a buffet table. <laughs> it was so fancy. I just thought that was the coolest thing. Yeah, you remember those. It was so fun. For me, records hold memory. Do you have any favorites? Yeah. Records hold memory memory. Unfortunately, though, we all know when you put your favorite record on and you're going around, you're like enjoying your favorite song, what happens? They hold scratches. <laughs> so that's what jars you out of it. You're just enjoying, you're singing along, then record scratch. All of a sudden, the needle stops or jumps and a phrase goes over and over again. And you quickly, you get up and you try to move the needle totally over the scratch. See if it happens again. Or you move it, try to like go beforehand, see if it happens. But you know that scratch is still there. It's going to keep coming around. Then some people, they take the record off and they start to buff it. And they like rub it with their clothes, you know, like trying to get the scratch off. Like that's all it's going to take. And they try to put it right back down. It's a record scratch. And a lot of people know that they think, I shouldn't say no, they think that once your record is scratched, it's ruined forever. 
And they just throw it away and they're like, well, that's just a record scratch. That's never going to be the same. Or they try to like figure out when it's coming or what's going to happen. And so they run over and they like try to fix it before they have to hear the scratch again. Record scratches make a difference. They're an upset. It's a mistake. A record scratch is where we are today. It's a record scratch. Record scratches happen all the time. We call them that even. We're like, well, that's a record scratch. Have you ever said that with your friends? No? Okay, well, I have. All right. You're going along and everybody's talking, having a good time, and then somebody tells a really inappropriate joke, and it's like, ah, record scratch. <laughs> or when everybody's in the car and they're just singing their hearts out, and then somebody takes it too far and they go way ahead and way kind of crazy. It's like a record scratch. You went too far. Or when you're just going around your day and everything's going great, you have a whole big plan and the phone rings and it changes everything. It's a record scratch. Do you know what I'm talking about? Help me think of some other record scratches in life. Just because you call it out to me doesn't mean it happened to you. We won't think that. We won't make that assumption. But just to start screaming out, tell me, what are some record scratches? Car accident, that's a good one. All right, I'll, I'll, what is it? COVID, exactly, that's a great one. That was one of my examples, you took it. What I was going to say was, you meet somebody you think is good looking. All of a sudden, you get to those butterflies, that beginning of a romantic relationship, and you can't wait till the next time you get to see her or you get to see him. Or maybe you finally got engaged. He or she popped the big question and you're so excited. Or maybe you're at the point where you moved into the house in the perfect neighborhood and you're just so excited. And as you're thinking about the next time you get to sit in a packed restaurant really close together and spit everywhere. Maybe the next time you think, oh, I get to plan my party and have as many people, hundreds and hundreds of people just sit really close in tight little space and pews. It's going to pack them in. As soon as you think, I'm going to go to the neighbors and see if I can borrow something from their kitchen. Ha <laughs> ah, record scratch, global pandemic, mandated quarantine for the rest of your life. That's how it felt, right? It's a record scratch moment. And even during this record scratch, there have been other record scratches. Like when somebody says, I have to finally tell you, I've been cheating on you for a very long time, and I didn't want to tell you until now I have to. That's a record scratch. Or how about an unexpected pregnancy? That can be a life-giving record scratch or a life-changing record scratch. How about an unexpected death? That's hard. How about somebody finally saying, I've got to tell you this, and it impacts the way you see them and relate to them and possibly love them for the rest of their lives? That's a record scratch. We have them all the time. I know for me, Last April, we're coming up on it. Last April, we knew my mother-in-law was in hospice. We knew what the next days were going to bring. But it wasn't until the policeman showed up at our front door at 2 in the morning to tell us that we heard it. It was a record scratch. And it wasn't just a record scratch for my husband and for my family. It was a record scratch for the poor policeman that had to tell us. You could tell that that was not what he had planned for his night. It was heartbreaking for both sides. It was a record scratch moment. 
And the thing about all of these record scratches that I'm trying to get us to think through is that their record scratches become an anniversary. They become something in our lives that we have to keep coming back to over and over and over and over again. And our tendency, our temptation is to take the needle and just try to skip over that part of our life. Just let's skip part. Let's just skip over that news. That news, that scratch, that's too hurtful. That's too harmful. I am not going to deal with that. And so we try to skip over it. But you know what happens? It's going to come back around and around and around until you figure out how you're going to move through it and how you're going to deal with it. And that's where we are religiously and faithfully in church people too in our scripture. Jesus has to go through this same exact day over and over again every year so that we can get to the other side of it. And so we have to learn how to move through those moments that are hurtful. We have to learn how to move through those mistakes that we feel like we made or the news that someone shared with us. And I don't know what it might be for you. It might be taking it off and really rubbing on it and hanging out with it and feeling like, what is going on here? And you might try all sorts of remedies. I'm told wood glue might help. But you might begin to try to whatever you need to do to get through that scratch. Because if you move through it, scripturally and spiritually and with faith, it's only going to make your song better. It's a spiritual rhythm of sorts that we have to get into. So that dreading the moment it comes back to us, we embrace it. And we figure out and remember the new life that it gave to us. And the new song that it gave to us. And the new beauty that it gave to us. Because ultimately, our champion is not dead. And so we sit people of faith who celebrate the mistakes. We sit as people who recognize the scratches because with our champion, with our hero, it's those things that end up saving us. Amen. Let's have a moment of prayer. Gracious and holy Lord, we do thank you for all of the things that are made good in our lives. But we also give to you all the things that may hurt. We give to you those places that we still don't understand and still don't make sense to us and that we're still struggling with. We give them all to you, Lord, and ask that you be with us as we journey through it. And may you remind us of the new life you give us and the eternal life that this next seven days reminds us of. So as we travel through this holy week, as we go through Monday, Thursday, the Last Supper, and as we go through the events of Friday and the quietness of Saturday, may we be ready to receive you in a new way on Sunday morning when we celebrate and worship. May you be with the many people that we pass along the way to get to this place. May you make us mindful of all of the issues that we pass. So that the poverty and the economic stability and the racism and the homeless and the hungry, they are not forgotten or ignored, but they are encompassed into our story looking for new life and new hope and new help. May we be the people shouting Hosanna, shouting save us as we are with 
our community and our world. Lord, may you take all that we offer and make it good. Amen. I would remind you, too, that you are able to respond not only through your actions and through music and through presence, but also through our gifts and support. And so if you are looking for ways to give to our campus through the Chapel Roswell Faith Community, Worship Community, you can find ways to do that on our screen. And of course, we're in the month of March, which is our missions and service campaign. I would remind you that is a separate budget. So if you would like to give to our missions, you can do so with a pledge, one-time gift. Uh, you can just go to rumc.com serve and learn more about our mission campaign of serving side by side.